0: You know, like Rick Rule likes to say, don't confuse the inevitable with the imminent. (laughs) This isn't just inevitable. It isn't just imminent. It is happening now.
1: Special coverage of the New Orleans Investment Conference is brought to you by Victoria Gold, leading Yukon's new gold rush. Welcome, everybody. sf live on site. We're here at the New Orleans Investment Conference special coverage. We are media partners here. Excited to be here. Fantastic conference. Great guests. Great speakers. And uh, we're joined by Loa Tigre now. Thanks for coming on and good to see you. Good to be here in person, Kai. Absolutely. Last interview we did a couple of months ago, we had to do virtual, obviously. So frankfurt puerto rico there's a bit and, of a difference the last
0: time i saw you in person was at pdac there were more people on stage than there were in the audience <laughs> oh that's
1: right we did the panel together that's there as right. well. Oh.
0: so here we are and it's a booming show so it's ha- fantastic
1: yeah like full fun. room the ballroom is full people are excited i wouldn't say excited inquisitive they're curious they're
0: oh well, well, that's interesting that you mentioned that um yeah the mood you might think given how gold seems to be broken not tracking inflation and so on um that the mood would be depressed but it's not uh, no it's you know people are looking for opportunities um,
1: they're looking for a bit of guidance it feels yeah. like people are really paying close attention to what the panelists and the speakers are saying
0: It's not euphoric for sure no, but it's no. Not far from it yeah. far
1: from it but uh, I think people are understanding that we're in an interesting time and they have to change some of their investment behavior like uh, Brian London just mentioned earlier is like 60-40 meaning 60% stock 40% bonds is not a ratio or anything that uh, that still makes sense do Did you yeah, agree like you 're getting a bit off topic here, <laughs> little, but uh,
0: well, let me rephrase it this way for a long time, people have been uh, the mainstream finance has been talking about Tina right? There is no alternative, which was never yeah. true. There was always an alternative you know resource investors <laughs> knew that well, but what they were talking about was the sixty forty model being yeah. broken um, and interestingly enough, now, with the tightening cycle, then suddenly you know, bonds are paying coupon worth having, you know. Yeah. It's not enough to, to make <laughs> up for inflation, but suddenly it's it's not zero, right? So suddenly there is an alternative yeah. that mainstream is looking at, and that's broadening perspectives. And it'll be interesting to see if that spills over, um, yeah. particularly if the inflation persists, right? We're, we're hijacking the conversation, but yeah, yeah. you're going to ask about CPI. We had I a was... hotter than expected CPI print. Yeah. The, the so-called core <laughs> went up to 6.6. That's not what, Anybody wanted? Certainly not what the Fed wanted, um, and we also had the unemployment, uh, the jobless claims, tick up at the same time. So it is looking more and more like that we're heading for a '70s-style stagflationary environment. And in that environment, the alternatives that people will look for, there is an alternative now. Uh, I think you know that could be a real eye opener. And um, where do you want to go from there?
1: Yeah, good question because. Your, your original presentation title was Speculating in a Changed World, sort of fitting what we just discussed about Like, so what are you looking at? Of course, you're a mining stock speculator. You look at mining stocks primarily. But overall, like, if you look at the macro more, has, has it, your investment style changed a little bit? Like, are you looking at other asset classes or really. are there other other <laughs> asset classes? Well,
0: there should be, but I'm, I'm extremely cautious on these things. If it's metals and mining, I understand. Right. So, so that's where most of my focus is. If it's not that, then it's real estate. No. And it's, you know, it's, it's either productive real estate or something I understand or something that I just want to own anyway. Um, I don't consider art an investment, but if there was wine, art, so it's, <laughs> the value is just so subjective. Not even intersubjective, no. but subjective. Cars, yeah. similar. So, but if I wanted to own that piece of art and it might appreciate no. that would be
1: different, right? Um, I, sorry to interject, but I listened to a conversation on Twitter Spaces this morning and said, we got to look. There's always a bull market somewhere. Well, that's right? Jim
0: Kramer. We don't want to quote Kramer.
1: What was it was it Kramer? I don't no, know. No, it no, wasn't I'm, Kramer on the Spaces, but, but no, it was that's like... No, that's what Kramer's saying. Oh, okay. Uh,
0: that's his thing, you know. Right. Mad and they were, money. But, there's always a bull market yeah, somewhere. Yeah, but funny enough,
1: they were talking about commodities, uh, yeah. oil and gas, yeah, and uh, energy services.
0: So let me, uh, let me throw this mad money idea out there. We've got... A, the dollar has been the wrecking ball, they're calling it, the dollar wrecking ball. And because the Fed led the way in tightening, the dollar has gone up to not quite nosebleed levels, but lofty valuations. The DXY is nowhere near an all time high, but it is well, well above average. 114, I believe, or so, it unless is, it's changed it drastically is very high, today, right? So, so, so long suffering gold bugs or any resource investor has been taking it on the chin because of this dollar wrecking ball and the dollar milkshake, right? Um, but Brent Johnson's dollar milkshake thesis is not that the dollar goes up forever. It's, it's just about you know, why it happens. And it's reversible, yeah. right? So one, if, if the Fed led the way into tightening and it ends up leading the way into, if not loosening, but you know, easing off the brakes, yeah. that same dollar milkshake mechanism could put that elevated okay. dollar in reverse, which yeah. would be very good for the alternatives Light like gold and the Euro yep. and other things. Um, the shenanigans with the pound right now are, are bollocksing things, but, but that aside, remember this folks, the dollar milkshake mechanism is reversible and at some point it will reverse. Even yep. Brent Johnson says so. Uh, the other thing is that expectations for inflation, you know, I hate that expectations. <laughs> it, you know, I want to deal with facts and figures <laughs> and physical reality, but in a fiat run economy, Expectations do matter, and the expectations have been persistently low for inflation. Like People are still drinking the transitory Kool-Aid, they think the Fed's going to succeed. Um, and yet here we are with the CPI and, yeah. and numbers saying it's not working, <laughs> right? Um, and this is the big difference between right now and the 1970s. In the 1970s, everybody knew that anything you could buy today, you should because it will be more expensive tomorrow. And that's what really lit a fire under gold was that was the the entrenched expectation of higher inflation and that's not happening yet this time even though we have persistent high inflation but there's no urgency like there's not that as you mentioned that sense of urgency ingredient that could be around the corner that could be around the corner you know when people start saying holy cow the fed's doing all this and it's not working it's not working suddenly their expectations shift and if that happens we could see um, set aside the dollar milkshake. You could see the dollar and gold both going no. up. Even though the dollar shouldn't go up, you know, <laughs> no. cleanest shirt in the dirty lawn, you know, all that stuff, right? It could still go up. I'm not promising that. What I am saying is that the dollar doesn't have to be the headwind it has been for gold and no. silver and anything else real once the people's uh, expectations and attitudes change about inflation. And I'm not sure how many hotter than expected, Prince, how many times can the economists get their projections (laughs) wrong before people start saying, oh, you know, that day will come.
1: It's interesting, like, we had that conversation, I think, as well. The U.S. dollar is so strong, and I remember the past president talked about, well, we've got to weaken the dollar to make America great again, to bring manufacturing home, to make it actually economically feasible to produce at home. Now we're sort of forcing ourselves to produce at home. How can inflation be transitory in that regard with like for yeah. me, that just screams cost creeps.
0: Right. So you're putting your finger on a key point, which everybody should remember this. You know, how can the dollar remain strong? It's not strong in terms of value. Like no. there's no question. That's what the CPI is telling us. No. The value of the dollar every month compared to last year is significantly down. You're losing a lot, no. you know, twice, what you can get on your best bond right <laughs> now. Um, that, so it's not strong, but it, looks strong compared to all the other garbage out there, the fiat currencies that are being debased as well. So the so-called strength of the dollar, it's really an optical illusion. It's just, it's relative standing compared to all the other dirty laundry in the hamper, (laughs) right? So so I call it the wrong trousers. People look at the DXY and say, oh, the dollar's strong. It's the wrong trousers. It's the wrong measure. And how much, you know, the dollar or, sorry, you know, which of these garbage currencies is winning the race to debase at the particular day yeah. has really nothing to do with how, you know, the value of steel for construction or whatever. I mean, the economy impacts that, or the value of gold and silver. You know, that is a real physical thing that has a separate mechanism. And, yeah. but people look at their wrong trousers and they, and they, <laughs> and you know, these traders, I think part of the problem, this is a, this is one of my pet peeves, if you'll indulge me. Yeah. I, like other gold bugs, would love to see the day that we stop using futures contracts as so-called the price of gold. That's not the price of gold. That's the price of futures contracts. Yeah. The, the advantage of them is that it, they're, they're extremely liquid and they're reported electronically in real time, so they're easy. But it's just not true. They're, they're, that's not the price of gold. Go on eBay and try to buy an ounce <laughs> of gold or go into your local coin shop. That's not the yeah. price you get. right? But those guys who trade these future contracts, they look at their, they have these models and one of the prime inputs is the DXY, the wrong trousers. So that's why even though it's the wrong thing, the model is wrong, it's broken. And we're about to see that in spades with stagflation. The traders who use these incorrect models are leading markets in the wrong direction. And you know, it's painful, it sucks, it's no fun. The good news is that when that breaks, when that, Breaks down. I think the snap back to reality will be very good for people. Well, we've sort of seen a things.
1: glimpse of that, like ten days ago, roughly ten days ago, when the Bank of England yes. sort of went back to quantitative easing because they had to pump money into the pension funds, and all of a sudden, gold was up hundred dollars, silver shot up three bucks, but also all the other main markets shot up drastically because everybody sensed a potential pivot by the Fed. Like, right. is that what we can expect if actually there is a pivot? All of a sudden, all risk is off and. Uh, we can go and uh, Bob's your uncle pretty much, like all the <laughs> assets are going up.
0: Yes, I, I wrote about that and I called it proof of concept, right, you know, I didn't expect that to last, but it did show, it did show specifically that the because dollar milkshake mechanism It was brutist, reversed, yeah. right? And so, and then all the things that we're hoping for when that reverses, that happened, right? So, so it was excellent proof of concept. Uh, and then we'll see, like, <laughs> you know, the bank of it, it the, the irony is that the pound went up because they did QE. No, and It should have been the opposite, <laughs> but it went up because there was systemic fear, like they, what they did calmed the systemic fear. And that's, that's interesting. But so. it, it amounted to QE and the idea that, I, mean, <laughs> I don't know the future, I don't have a crystal ball <laughs> that I can predict the future, but it looks to me, and I'm not the only one saying this, many of the talking heads on financial media are saying, the Fed's going to go until it breaks something. Yeah. Well, if it breaks something, like Isn't that too something late? Something <laughs> happened. Well, yes, but it implies that what we just saw what you pointed out in the UK. Yeah. What happens when something breaks? They pivot, yeah. right? But you know what, even if they don't pivot, if they just do, you know, things don't break, they, 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 they take rates up to 4.5%, close to 5% and they, and then they pause, like they're yeah. saying, you know, to see how our policies are impacting the, the economy. That's very much on the table. I mean, they've already you know projected a terminal rate, right? So by the end of this year, they should be done raising rates for a while. It doesn't mean a pivot. No. But that alone, especially if Europe is still getting it on the chin from the war and the no. energy, you know, and double digit inflation in Europe 10% so, today in Germany. Right, so, right. So if the ECB continues to tighten while the Fed is pausing to evaluate, no. <laughs> that would reverse the dollar milkshake mechanism. Yeah. So even without an actual pivot, we could and I think probably will see the dollar roll over for a period, and that will be good for real assets. Um, But then who knows, maybe we get a UK moment, something goes Lehman on us, (laughs) and the Fed does, I mean, even the Fed says we're data dependent, which means we reserve the right to completely do the opposite of what we're saying today, just
1: keeping the door open there. Yeah, fantastic. Let's come back to the conference real quick. Like, What, what did you actually talk about? Because the title was a bit different. And what was one of the key takeaways that you wanted to investors in the audience to sort of walk away from your presentation? Okay, so,
0: yeah, real quick. Uh, I was sort of the professional rain on the parade this time around. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe not the right thing to do when the markets aren't so frothy, but just there's a lot of hype out there. And I felt like it was important to remind people to be realistic, look at the data. And so there's a, there's a lot of hype around silver and how silver hasn't had its data catch up and silver's going to go nuts. But the data tells us that the, silver's role has changed, or no. is changing. And there's free stuff on my website about this. I've been dubbed Darth Silver because of <laughs> my so-called bearishness <laughs> on silver. But I'm actually not bearish on silver. The Darth Silver thesis is not that silver is not going to go up i 'm um, actually very keen to add silver stocks to my portfolio. The, the darth silver thesis is that even if we get a new gold standard, silver may not be used as a monetary metal again i 've heard that, that before
1: you 're not the only one saying that even like, so some of the silver talking heads are saying well it can 't be a, a monetary metal in that sense it can 't um, be used to back a currency because there 's not enough
0: well i don 't I don't know there 's enough. I mean silver gets used yeah right that 's why the stocks are small they seem small because it 's continuously used. Um, but it, my view is that with the digital wor- uh, receipts, right, you, you have instantly transferable, infinitely divisible. Like the, the reason why you had silver was because gold was so precious, you needed no. silver to make change or copper to make change for silver, right? Now, if you can do you know, one 10,000th of a gold coin you know, electronically, you don't no. need the other metals to make change. And that's just one example. Clearly no. silver's industrial side is ramping up big time. Um, and that is changing its price dynamics. And I actually think that's a plus, because no. I, I think silver as an energy metal, which it is, is going to see very robust demand, even if you know, monetary or safe haven demand goes down. Um, the other big one was nickel. There's a lot of hype about, you know, we're going to run out of nickels, not enough <laughs> nickel. That refers to so-called class one nickel, traded no. on the LME. But there's a lot of other kinds of nickel out there, you know, not traded on the LME. And people say, yeah, but you have to have the class one to make the batteries, right? <laughs> so well, but the other kinds can be converted. Ultimately, nickel is a metal, it's a chemical yep. element. And at the end of the day, if you've got to have the nickel, the battery doesn't care you know, what kind of deposit it came from. But the other thing is, never mind the theory, the reality is you've got Tesla going to Indonesia now yep. to get non-class one nickel. You know, they're contracting directly with some of these intermediate providers. So it's just not true that you have to have and can only have class one. Um, and we have a free report on the nickel uh, market on the website it, and just, I think it's important to look at that even if you're not interested in nickel specifically, the proof of concept or the, the walkthrough of the thinking process here and and looking at the hype versus the reality, I think that's very important. Another, uh, <laughs> another bit of raining on the parade was like, I love uranium, it's my highest conviction trade for the near term this yeah. year. And unlike the other yellow metal gold, <laughs> uranium's up this year. Yep. And despite market volatility, my uranium stocks on average are up. So I'm very happy with uranium, but I, you know, people get like, religious about this. And if I talk about taking profits, you're like, oh, he lacks conviction, you know, <laughs> all kinds of, you know, Darth uranium. <laughs> um, but nobody goes broke taking profits as they no. say and you sleep better. And in particular, in this case, I'm extremely bullish on uranium, and, and it's happening now. This isn't, you know, like Rick Rule likes to say, don't confuse the inevitable with the imminent. <laughs> this isn't just inevitable, it isn't just imminent, it is happening now. Long-term contracts are being signed now, no. at higher prices than spot. So I'm extremely confident in this. But this is literally an investment that can blow up on us. No. And, you know, Europe's largest nuclear power plant is right now in the middle of a war zone. <laughs> This isn't just rhetoric. Yeah. This is serious. Beep.
1: You know, yeah, you could wake up in the morning could, and all of a sudden, the power plant the has been destroyed, and, and, and that's you got a second Fukushima. Stocks
0: would be, you know, just step off a cliff. Yeah. So in a market where that can literally happen overnight, it's not lacking conviction to take profits. You, it's insane to leave that money completely yeah. at risk on the table, as bullish as you may be. So. <laughs> I, was, I was kind of the professional rain on the parade this year, but I, I, it wasn't a good cause. I was yeah. trying to encourage people to, as enthusiastic as you may get about whatever you're investing in, you know, take a step back, breathe deep, and try to be rational <laughs> as a speculator.
1: No, fantastic, great closing words. Well, Nothing to add. Thank you very much. Lo, thank you so much, it's great seeing you. Thanks for coming out, or thanks for coming on. And to everybody else, thanks so much for tuning in. It was SF Live with special coverage from the New Orleans Investment Conference. Leave a comment, leave a like, follow us on YouTube, follow us on Twitter, and uh, we'll be back with lots more content from this fantastic conference.